Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. Hello again. It is Crew Call here on Motor Racing Network. So glad you've joined us as we talk to the men and women behind the wrenches and get behind the scenes in the NASCAR garage. Steve Post, MRN Pit Reporter, along with 25-time winner in the NASCAR Cup Series, Todd Gordon here. Todd, how are you? I'm good. Glad to be on. Fantastic. Good stuff, that's for sure. Daytona 500 week, the 64th running of the Great American Race, the Daytona 500. You won it back in 2015 with Joey Logano. What is this week like leading into the Daytona 500? It's uh, just trying to cover all the all the bases and make sure the T's are crossed, the dots are I, the I's are dotted. Uh, it's a cool week because you're uh, anticipation. You know, this is all the work you've done in the off season and and especially for these guys this year, brand new car. Uh, don't know what the challenges are going to be, but you've got a little anxiety about those things, but, uh, really excited to get the season rolling and back into the routine that you're normal to. Is that anxiety, that, that anxiety for, for competitive guys like you, that's the, is that what drives you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's the hook. It is. It is. It's a, it's, it's, it's what drives you makes you want to do this. It's a, it's that feeling. And you really, you kind of feel off in the off season because it's not the routine that you have. You get into the race season and, and you have a routine. You've yeah. got, you know, wh- what your Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays look like and getting to the racetrack and working on that and, and looking out beyond it. And, it, and the off season's kind of been like, wait a minute, I'm in the shop for five days, six days, seven days. And, yeah. And how do I get back to my routine of being here three to four and then get to the racetrack? So yeah. um, cool to get back down there, see all the people again, get back in the gist of things and, uh, smell some race gas and, and and have some competition that's the other thing now we had the we had the clash out in la but it i always love and one of the things i always kind of cover in the in, in one of our practice shows it's the first day of school feel you know yeah. you know you know you communicate you know who you guys are but you, you you have a buddy that's on this team and he shows up in a different uniform and a different shirt it's the first day of school feel and and this is a this is a neat close-knit community we work in yeah it definitely is it's a that's the biggest thing I miss about not being part of it is, uh, is not being in that mix and still having all those friendships. Cause it's a, it's your family away from home. And, uh, and you actually spend more time with these people, these 40 teams at, at the racetrack than you do with your wife and your kids. So, um, a lot of relationships and you get to see where everybody's moved to and what they've done and, and catch up with the things that they've had in the off season. Well, the good news is, is you won't have to wait long because we're going to put you to work at auto club. Yeah. We'll take you out there next week to auto club and get you back in, back into your, back in your neighborhood there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in fact, I, I'm going out today early to make sure that I'm there for practice and qualifying. I want to <laughs> see how that all works out and catch up on a few of those relationships. So, uh, be pretty cool. Looking forward to it. Fun stuff. That's for sure. We're going to have a great time here on the program today. Cliff Daniels, the championship winning crew chief. He joins us here. Napa! Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Napa! 
Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. On Crew Call. NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country. Whether it's late models out west or modifieds in the northeast, this show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. Offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel, this show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast. Welcome back. It is Crew Call. So glad you joined us and so glad joining us here as we head into the Daytona 500, our reigning championship winning crew chief from over at Hendrick Motorsports, Motorsports, that is, Cliff Daniels is on the line. Hello, Cliff. Welcome back to Wing Nation. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year and good to see you. And I just said Wing Nation. That's our sprint car show. I said Wing Nation. Well, you're a sprint car guy too, Cliff. So uh, you get that. That's for sure. Uh, This is Crew Call. Yes, it is Crew Call. Crew Call, for sure. Cliff, the championship season, the off season, did you have a little opportunity to reflect on it, to to, to savor the accomplishment from last year? Um, I, I can honestly say no, and, and I hope that I don't regret that one day. Um, Todd knows how it is. When you, uh, when you have a season like that, it's, it's great, but then there's always rule changes. There's always something new that comes along, and uh, our off season was completely consumed with all things next-gen Coupled with my wife and I had our second child, uh, baby boy, born December sixth. So uh, any any you know thought of having truly time off or, or time to savor the moment um, was gone pretty quick. But uh, all, all good. Very thankful for all the things that happened last year. I had a great off season, busy of course, but uh, ready to get going for twenty twenty two. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, adding adding on to the. The, the stress of uh, this off season and, and having a, having another child into the family. That's a uh, congratulations to you guys on that one, but um, it makes for less sleepless, more sleepless nights, I guess. Uh, a uh, question for you here. I, you know, you and you and Kyle both had some success individually uh, before uh, last season happened, but the pairing of the two of you, I mean, was incredible and, and what you were able to accomplish. What, what, what led you guys to be that successful in that, where did that come from? I think it was kind of years in the making for my background, for experiences that I had experiences that he had in the last few years. And, and I think you've probably seen this a lot in the cup series. Not only is it just the the driver, the crew chief, but I, I give a lot of credit to our team and our crew, because when you get a group of people together where um, yes, we have a lot of youth on our team, but everybody has such a good attitude, such a good work ethic that it probably made me, made me look better than I actually was. It made Kyle look better than he actually was because we had the depth within our team. Um, individually for me, there was uh, good years in the past with Jimmy that I was able to learn from those great moments uh, of working on that team, you know, with Ian, with Chad, of course, 
And then uh, we also had some really trying years. And those tough years, I think, built as much character in us as any other year. So, you know, we, we had to learn how to win, you know, as, as champions had to learn how to lose as champions and, and, and all the difficulties that can come with that. Uh, and then, you know, for Kyle, um, he had some amazing uh, years of, of racing the last two years, almost outside of NASCAR uh, because of what happened that within NASCAR was, you know, a, a black eye at the time. And he had to kind of earn his way back and prove his way back. So we both, kind of had a taste of success and we had a taste of some really tough reality checks and, and some things that could kind of knock you down that we had to learn from. And, and our team saw a lot of that, got to experience a lot of that. So the guys that we've you know had on our team for a little while now, they, uh, they learned it too and, and they got to experience it firsthand. So really across the board, we kind of had this level of racer mentality, you know, take it week by week, be a student of the game, when you're high, don't get too high. When you're low, don't get too low and, and just work together and, and just go race. And, and looking back on it now, I can kind of articulate it like that in the moment. It's kind of like, man, this is cool. Don't really know what's what's going on here. We'll, we'll try to keep it going. Uh, but, but I really think, you know, the way I described it was, was kind of what went into, um, you know, how we work together and, and the way our season Cliff, was there a time during the early part, the mid part, you had that run of top two finishes. Was there a time during the season where, and, and, and it was weird because we started with no practice, not a lot of time together. Was there a time when all of a sudden you were just like, oh baby, we have got something here that is really, really good? To a point, yes. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at the success that Hendrick was having, you know, during last season, we knew our cars were strong. But, but I kept thinking of, um, you know, recent examples that we've had where guys maybe weren't as strong during the season and, and would really get hot in the playoffs. And, and so my fear was kind of losing the edge as the season went along. So, you know, I'm not going to say we um, did anything crazy to go push ourselves to, to continue to sustain the performance and the results. But, you know, when you look at the year that Todd had, I, I guess it was 2018 when, you know, you guys won. You guys got hot, you know, especially in the playoffs. And at the end of the playoffs, you won a handful out of the last you know, few races. Um, had an amazing race at Homestead the year that you guys won it. Like, I'm sitting here thinking back in my mind, okay, we can have an amazing regular season and, and still come home short of the goal because it's the Cup Series, for crying out loud. There's guys across the garage that, you know, certainly are going to put their best foot forward in the playoffs. Everybody is. And uh, if you're not sharp and you're not where you need to be, then then that, you know, midseason success may not accomplish everything you wanted to. So, yes, I was happy for the summer that we had and, and that string of races that we had. But the whole time in the back of my mind, I'm like, what can we take away from this right now that we can either put on the shelf and, and keep for the playoffs? Or what can we uh, what can we learn from just to sustain where we are to keep it going? So I, I really tried hard not to get too, you know, content or, or even just, uh, you know, happy with, with what we had going on because I'm like, man, you know, and, and even the nine last year, the nine, you know, during the regular season was okay. They got in the playoffs and, and got hot. What's going to be coming if, if we don't stay on top of our game? That was kind of my mentality. So um, hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. And you look at, you know, just recent history, look at the four car, uh, had a similar season year before. Uh, where they had multiple right. wins and, and didn't end up making it all the way through. 
You guys actually capitalized and continued your momentum all the way through. Kudos to you guys with that one. Um, you know, any takeaways from the clash uh, that have you excited or concerned about short track racing this year? Takeaways, I, I would say on the excited uh, side of the question, I think these cars are going to be really good short track cars. Once we get a brake package under Larson, that he's going to be a little more comfortable than what we had with him at the clash. Um, the cars have a lot of potential. There are a lot bigger brakes, a lot bigger calipers. Um, so just naturally having, uh, I think, brakes sized to the the mass of the car and what we're asking these heavy stock cars to do is awesome. Um, I think the way the cars held up under, you know, contact and, and all the short track racing circumstances that we like, um, the cars held up great. You know, the, the bodies you, you won't necessarily be able to reuse. But there were some hits that we took in the clash that candidly with the previous sheet metal bodies, um, I don't know that we wouldn't have had a flat tire or multiple flat tires. I don't know that we would have been able to fuel the car because we took a pretty big impact in the left rear quarter panel and uh, it, it kind of bowed in and, and popped itself back out. The, the fuel neck and everything was fully intact. So, so that was great. Uh, the, the racing was great. The tires held up really well. Um, all, all the things that you want to see from a good short track package. The concerns, kind of like I mentioned, we weren't totally comfortable with our brakes, so that, that's homework we have to do. Um, and, and then we saw, you know, the couple failures with the 8, the 14. I heard of a couple other issues maybe that that kind of were in existence out there that guys had to deal with. So there's always going to be learning curves with, you know, a new car, bugs that you have to work through. I'm sure as an industry and as a sport, we will quickly. Uh, but, but those would be my two kind of takeaways, good and bad. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another one, just, just talking through the cars and where we've got, there's been talk of some feedback, you know, how, how much different the feedback is in the rack and pinion steering. Um, can you elaborate on that? And, and do you feel like that's, that's stuff that you just got to sort through and, and is there tire, uh, interactions with that or anything? And there's just been talk about that. Can you kind of build off that? Yeah, for sure. So the kind of the initial tests, um, at ovals, you know, there was a lot of, you know, mixed feedback on the steering being too quick. Maybe the car was light. So it, it took us a little while, you know, kind of as an industry to understand, okay, is there something in car handling at a very fast track that's making the drivers, you know, have these comments about the steering or is it a steering issue itself? Worked on both of those, a little bit of work on steering, a little bit of work on aero. I guess I would say the Charlotte oval would be the case for that. Got that in a really good spot. Then, as an industry, we learned uh, at the Charlotte Roval test um, how there were issues with the internal you know, power steering pressure, the way the um, valves inside the rack system were opening and closing and kind of oscillating. So that's where we had a lot of uh, you know, really, I would say, concerning issues at the, the Charlotte Roval. Took another step in working through that, got that better. Will that increase the internal pressure of the entire power steering system? So teams have been working to get some of that back down and get the, the weight or the feel of the wheel a little more reasonable for the drivers. So I guess really there's been kind of three big iterations in, in what it's taken to get to the point where, from what I understand, all of our teammates and our own experience with Larson um, at the clash, uh, he said the steering felt great. Um, it, it was in a good spot, and, and you kind of go through a big swing of uh, you know the ask on the power steering system at a place like, you know, the LA Coliseum, because mid-corner RPM is very, very low. Uh, so you don't have a lot of assist from the engine, just from an RPM, you know, speeding up the pump standpoint. 
Then at the end of the straightaway, you're, you know, 8,800 RPM. So you're full RPM at the end of the straightaway. So it's kind of the, the full ask of the system at a place like that. And, uh, and, and our held up well, our teammates held up well. I didn't really hear any other issues from, you know, other guys in the garage. So I think we hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, check that box. When we look at this next-gen car, and there's a lot of details, and, and, and you guys have just talked some about some of those details, one of the, the larger issues with it is just overall inventory of cars and what you guys have. And working with NASCAR on this, with Daytona right in front of us here and the potential to lose a couple of race cars at Daytona, I, I'm fairly confident you guys run the Daytona 500 just as hard and aggressive as always, but does it impact the way you practice the, the dual races? Is there something in the back of your mind that you as an organization have to keep in mind at Daytona? Yeah, without question. I think a lot of us, you know, under a normal circumstance of car inventory would probably do more drafting before qualifying just to kind of get the data point of, you know, how, how is our car going to be in, in the duels? Uh, and, and then how can you adapt your qualifying setup to not completely get rid of all drivability for the duels? Um, and, and now we're probably going to be very limited in any drafting that we would do in practice prior to qualifying into the duels. And, and even within the duels themselves, yes, you want to get the best starting spot that you can. You want to get the best pit pick that you can as a result of, uh, you know, a good finish in the duel. But um, we just can't take unnecessary risk. We can't go be as aggressive maybe as we've seen some years at the duels. At least I hope we aren't. Um, it has been, you know, a topic here within <laughs> Hendrick Motorsports. Larson and I have talked about it a couple of times and making sure we don't, uh, we just don't put ourselves in a bad spot. You want to be able to take your primary car into the 500 always, but more than ever this year because of, uh, yeah, because of limited, you know, parts, supplies, cars, all those things. Yeah, and building off of that, it, it sounded like at the test, there's seems like this car may have a little more opportunity to uh, the tandem. Do you think that that's going to affect the weekend and and I mean the 500 explicitly because you, you talk about being a little more conservative, and I would think most will be conservative through the uh, through the duels. But how do you see that it'll impact the weekend? Yeah, I think it is absolutely going to, especially towards the end of a stage, uh, towards the end of the race. Of course, um, I, I kind of heard secondhand some different conversation drivers were having uh, knowing how and when to use the tandem naturally um it, it's been a little while since we've seen I, I think this amount of emphasis on what the tandem can do uh i know nascar's had a little bit of concern with it obviously we'll see how it plays out you know in a, in a real race scenario versus what they had at the test but uh even at the test we saw that the tandem was there I think the end of a stage could get pretty crazy. Guys trying to go for stage points and, and hooking up for a lap or two, and then you'll get multiple you know subsets of guys hooking up like that. Uh, and, and certainly the end of the 500 is always um, exciting. We all know that. So it, it's definitely going to impact the weekend. How do the bumpers hold up? You know, how does you know temp management go? Um, and and then how stable are the cars are the cars during the the tandem? And how that goes, of course, those questions are, are yet to be answered fully, uh, but it's going to be there. It's going to be an impact for sure. Final question for you, Cliff, before we uh, cut you loose here and uh, head on down to Daytona. Um, you've won a championship now. You've been around the sport. You grew up on the short tracks of Virginia. Um, on the pecking order of important things to you, a Daytona 500 championship, where does that fit into your personal pecking order of 
Uh, I want to grab one of those. I want to grab one of those, and I might as well do it now. My answer to that isn't super short because uh, as a kid, I always thought it would be so cool to win the Daytona 500. That was always this this big aspiration, of course, winning a, a cup championship. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. My experiences at Daytona with Tony Stewart, with Jimmy Johnson, and so far with Kyle Larson have not been great. So I feel like there's this like gray cloud over my head when it comes to the 500. We, when we've had good cars, something happens at the end of the race. We haven't had good cars and we find ourselves up front. We still get crashed coming off of turn four and finish you know, 18th or something. So uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think it's kind of mellowed out my uh, realistic thoughts for Daytona. Of maybe it could, could never happen or, or I, I, I don't know. I, I would love to have it because it's the, uh, it's the great, great American race. It's the, the biggest race of our season. Everybody wants to win that race to have the, the, you know, bragging rights of it and, and just all the you know great things I'm sure that come with winning the Daytona 500. Um, I just haven't had any good experiences in 10 or 12 years in the sport. So I, I don't know, maybe one day it'll happen. Hopefully it does. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you've changed a lot of things around in the last year and uh, uh, you got another, you got a good opportunity going forward. Uh, good luck with the season. Uh, appreciate your time today. It's uh it's been great to have you on, have a few conversations here. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. See you Are soon. You- There you go. Cliff Daniels, crew chief for Hendrick Motorsports with Kyle Larson. Stay with us. More crew call in just a moment. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country. Whether it's late models out west or modifieds in the northeast, this show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. Offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel, this show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast. Always great to catch up with our crew chiefs, especially a reigning champ crew chief like Cliff Daniels. Um, Todd, he talked a little bit about the Daytona 500. Uh, are, there, are there clouds every once in a while that, that, that you find that get over crew chiefs and teams' heads at, at events? Definitely. Definitely. Really? Yeah. It's, uh, you just, you, like, you're almost defeated getting in there until you change your mindset. I, uh, I had some guys that work with, uh, with Kurt and he, he hated Martinsville for a while and then, and then had a good run there. Like it's just, 
you, you go through those things. And, and when you get your mindset uh, in a different spot, um, they're going to have success there. Oh my God. Yes. They're, I mean, yeah. they've won every place else. Why wouldn't they win there? I think uh, it's just, it's just a learning curve. And the one thing about the Daytona 500 is you get to walk away calling yourself a champion, not a winner. Right. Yeah. It's a difference. So the Daytona 500, you're a champion. You walk out of there a victor. 2015. What was the after, aftermath like after you won that race? Oh, it's, it's, it's the one, it's the one race that, that the celebration goes on for like 18 hours. Um, you're there in victory lane, you go through tech, you, I mean, it's, it's, you you stick around because on Monday you put that car into the Daytona USA yeah. uh, and you make the presentation Monday morning. Um, you're probably not in the greatest of, of <laughs> positions at that point because you've had a great night, but, uh, partied a little bit. it's, yeah. uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's one where you still get to do that and you, you there's a whole presentation ceremony in the morning. Yeah. And I know this year they've kind of changed that up a little bit. They're still going to have the presentation, but you're going to get the car back. Right. But they're going to duplicate that car with, with one of the prototypes is what I've heard. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's just most races you win at, it's cool. Cause you've got victory lane, you go through tech and then you hop on your airplane, you go home and here's one that, uh, the celebration continues on in the morning, the next day. We will see what happens. That's for sure. Motor Racing Network has you covered all weekend long. If you're following along on this podcast Thursday, tonight then, 6 o'clock, it's the Blue Green Vacations Duel at Daytona for the NASCAR Cup Series. Friday, 5.30 Eastern Time, NASCAR Cup Series practice at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. The next era, Energy Resources 250 for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. A busy, busy day on Saturday. We start at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. NASCAR Cup Series final practice, the old school happy hour. We'll see how happy people are with that. At 1.30, it's the Lucas Oil 200, driven by General Tire for the Arkham Menard Series. And at 4.30, love this name, Beef. It's what for, It's what's for dinner 300 for the NASCAR Finishers. Love that title. Yes, good, yes. Good, good title, absolutely. Yes, it and it all wraps up on Sunday, 1.30 Eastern Time, the 64th annual Daytona 500. Motor Racing Network is there. You can find your local affiliates, find all the airtimes, and even do reminders on MRN.com. Let's go see who wins this championship this weekend, Todd. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. He's Todd Gordon. I'm Steve Post. Thanks for joining us here on Crew Call.